For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back for the final 2020 positional preview for the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I am Joe DeLeon joined by Alex Gilstrap and Ryan Roberts. As I said, this is the last positional preview. We are recording this on Saturday, the first day of college football, coming back in 2020 with Austin P versus Central Arkansas. We're going to watch that game and take a look at that and some of the possible prospects that come out of that. We're excited to actually get to watch some football. Before we do get to that, though, today's conversation is going to be previewing this safety class the final positional group and guys last year we had a very odd uh, situation with the safeties there were some guys that were considered to be very good draft prospects with Grant Delpit Xavier McKinney uh, a number of other guys too in the mix ended up sliding into the second round and then there was this huge run of just a ton of guys in in there with like Antoine Winfield Jr. going in the second round how does this year look comparably? Are we going to have a, a possibly another year of mostly late first round safeties and then a, an eventual high run on guys going in the early second round? Ryan, what, what are your thoughts on how this, this group looks on paper? Well, I'll, I'll say comparative to other groups in this year's draft, I think the safety class is about as deep as you're going to get. Everybody's been talking about this historically deep wide receiver class back-to-back years. Uh, love the interior offensive line uh, draft for this year, linebackers. But I think safety's right up there in, in terms of depth. I'd like it a whole lot more at this moment than I did the 2020 group. I think that there's going to be a two-ish guys somewhere in that first-round conversation. And then there's going to be, again, a high run like we saw last year in second and third-round options. I think there's so much depth. And I do like the top of the class a little better than last year at this time. Um, well, actually, I shouldn't say a little better than last year at this time. At the end result of this past year, obviously with Delpit having a down year and working through some injury issues and all that type of stuff, because going into last year, obviously Delpit was looked at as a potential top 20 guy. But right now, uh, as we know what the 2020 class ended up, I, I'm betting right now on this 2021 group being an even better class overall. Yeah, I mean, just just what Ryan alluded to there. Uh, you know, the thing with safeties is you have so much variation in skill sets. It's it's not like other positions on the defensive side of the football. I mean, you comparing what Antoine Winfield does for your defense uh, to to Xavier McKinney is apples to oranges. Uh, but both are kind of sandwiched in that same that same grouping. So it's very very hard for for us to really hone in on where we think these guys are going to land because I mean it's there's so many different different styles uh at this position group so 
Uh, but what Ryan said, I think there's probably eight or nine guys that are, we're looking at right now that that deserve to be in at least that round two conversation. Um, you know, safety being the position that it is, how many guys are we going to see in the, in the first round? Um, you know, even guys like Grant Delpit last year, who was going into the year, like Ryan said, looked looked at as like a top five, top ten guy, and you know, fall into the second round. Obviously, some injuries in there and and some down play, but. I mean, there's there's really no telling where these guys are going to start coming off the board, just because it's, there's so much variability uh, in this position. But um, but I think, like I said, there's there's about eight or nine guys, and and like Ryan said, the the depth of this class is really really intriguing, especially uh, in those first couple tiers at the position group. We're going to talk about a bunch of guys who are going to fill a variety of roles. I'm thinking about, and and we're doing safeties actually on this week's Friday Night Scout School. Is you know I'm, I'm looking at guys comparative to like a Buddha Baker who plays a lot of slot. We're talking about like Eddie Jackson that plays in, in deep zone coverage the majority of the time. Jamal Adams that does mostly short zone plays on tight ends. So it, safety, I think is a really interesting conversation when you're talking evaluation because those guys do play a, such a variety of roles. And the part of the evaluation that you have to talk about besides for evaluating the traits and seeing how they fit is how valuable is the role that they play to the evaluation to go into the next level as well. And it seems like with the safety position, there are so many different archetypes, if you will, that that guys really fit. There's not a, a traditional mold that you can really look to when comparing guys all the time because you can have a guy like Jamal Adams who is a little bit more of a, a box safety but still you know, projects – pretty good range but then Buda Baker who's now the highest paid safety is a completely different safety prospect or uh, player rather so there, there's just so many different levels to trying to evaluate these guys making it such an interesting group to talk about and being a, a very underrated part of a lot of rosters in the NFL so speaking of, of underrated who are some of your guys's early sleepers that you think could possibly blow up come draft time actually getting close in April. Alex, who is your guy? Well, before I actually get into my guy, I actually, you know, there there's someone that me and me and Ryan actually made the joke last week during the cornerback podcast uh, about this guy potentially being evaluated as a safety. And that's Israel Mukwamu from South Carolina, you know, six foot four, the big long guy. And, you know, you, you talk about his strengths and weaknesses as a cornerback prospect, and I think you're mitigating a lot of the concerns that you have with him as a cornerback transitioning to the NFL by moving him to safety where he can really, uh, where he can really you know, his, his, his strengths, his personal strengths can really shine at that position. You know, he doesn't have to, you know, uh, it's, it's not as weighted for him to, to be quick and change of direction rather than, you know, let everything play in front of him. I think he's a better zone defender than man defender. So, you know, uh, with that size and, and his length and, and physicality, I think he, he's better suited as a safety. And I know me and Ryan have already joked about it in, you know, uh, a little bit in last week's podcast, but that, that just at least deserves mention. Uh, I think that if you convert this guy to a safety, we're talking about easily in this top three for me. I just think what he brings as far as size and, and his physical traits is, as far as speed and physicality, I think that and length, I think that this guy could be a really, really good safety at the next level, whereas I think he's kind of capped at what he can be at the next level as a cornerback prospect. What do you think about that before we get into our, our true sleepers, Ryan? Uh, I mean, I definitely agree. I think that the best part of what 
Israel McQuamu could be is a tight end eraser. I want to see him inside playing almost like a big nickel over top of tight ends, playing some short zones from time to time. I think that with the NFL moving to such a matchup-driven league, that a guy that is six foot three plus, six four, whatever he is, around two hundred plus pounds, that's the perfect guy to eliminate this rise that we're seeing at the tight end position. Guys like George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. Even guys like O.J. Howard, Rob Gronkowski, these huge athletic tight ends that are mismatch weapons. Evan Ingram from, from the Giants. There's so many guys that are just such a, a mismatch with their combination of size and speed that a guy like McQuamu, if he moves inside, you're going to eliminate some of the um, the stresses of him being in, in, um, in a, lot, a large amount of space. You're going to put him into a specific role, and I think that he could be a tight end eraser. So I think that's a great point. I think that that is – probably where he fits best. And I think that he also is very good in the run game, which will help that transition as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I definitely thought that was at least worth mentioning. I think that uh, if you're talking about someone you're not thinking of as, as a top safety prospect, that might be. He's thought of as a top prospect, uh, but just at the wrong position group. So I thought that was at least at least worth mentioning. I know me and Ryan kind of agreed on that. But but someone that you know is kind of going under the radar that I think uh, could, could really – could really gain some ground here is is Greg Eisworth the second. He actually was introduced to me by by someone I interact with quite a bit on Twitter. Went back to Iowa State safety, redshirt senior. He's sitting right at about six foot two hundred five to two ten. Uh, I've seen him listed. So uh, this guy's got a, a nice big build. He's he's team captain, so you know you're getting uh, that leadership, which is is highly valued on the defensive side of the football. But this guy's a thumper. I mean, you just turn on his highlight tape alone, and you're getting someone that that is not going to allow any ground when when tackling wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. It doesn't matter. This guy's going to hit you, and you're going to feel it. Um, I think he does a, an adequate job in short zones. I think he's got he shows off good ball skills at times. Uh, I think this is strictly going to be a strong safety at the next level. I don't want to see him single high. I don't want to see him in deep zones because uh, I don't think he has quite the he doesn't meet that athletic threshold to be that single high guy and be a free roamer. Uh, but if if you play this guy in the right role, maybe it's rotational. Uh, maybe it's just as a full-time guy that's that's in those shallow zones playing underneath. Uh, Greg Eisworth can can provide a spark and, and be a contributor, um, not only disrupting uh, the ball carriers, you know, maybe forcing some fumbles with the hits this guy has because this guy has some fun, fun film with how hard he hits. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I came on late to him. I was introduced to him, like I said, by, by, uh, by someone I interact with. And, and it was actually a, quite a surprise. I think there's a role there for him. I think it's pretty cut and dry exactly what he does well. It's, it's playing, you know, within 15, playing in the box, within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage and, and coming, working downhill, whether that's in the run game, filling run gaps and, or, or it's, you know, coming, I mean, some of his best plays are, are, you know, diagnosing screen plays and, and, um, and, and coming down and making the play on the football. He's a great tackler. I, I, like I said, I think this guy's role is pretty cut and dry as to what he's going to do at the next level. And I think there's some value to be had there. I, I think Eisworth is probably a guy that's going to be a core special teamer too. You know, those, those. Yes attributes that he has physicality you know the eagerness to get into the action I think a really easy transition to the next level at special teams I just want to see him 
because I, I get the short zone thing. He has decent instincts. I want to see him in the slot a little bit to see if he can match up man-to-man at some points because if he could be that big nickel also, that only only add to his to his evaluation. One guy that I want to throw in that's I think is a completely opposite player to a guy like Greg Eisworth is Brady Breeze that plays for Oregon. So I watched Javon Hollins, who I'm sure we'll talk about maybe at some point in this um, in this segment, the safety from Oregon, who's highly touted, plays a lot of nickel for them. Um, he's the he's a really you know interesting player with his ball production and everything. And Brady Breeze kept kept really turning my head. I went back to the Utah game again where he was the MVP, and he is very rangy on the back end. I did not expect this type of range. This kid can cover a little bit of ground. He's not scared in the run game either. He comes up, gets some nice licks in there. I don't think that he's the most physically you know, advanced player. I don't think he's a tremendous athlete, but what I think he is, I think that he's very smart. I think his range is actually pretty underrated in this class. I think he can do some stuff from single high. And I think that he's just that deep coverage safety that, although maybe his ball production won't pop out to you, he's not a guy that's going to be out of position. He's going to be able to make up some ground. And another guy that I think will also be a nice special teams option at the next level. So Brady Breeze was a guy that really I wasn't looking for, and that's my favorite part of evaluation sometimes is some guys just pop off the film, and then you're like, okay, I need to pay attention to this guy. And, And 25 from Oregon was that guy for me. I think he has some traits to work with. And I think, again, you know, range on the back end, I'm, I'm always trying to, to really find those guys because I think, you know, having that guy that can play those deep zones and playing some single high, that makes everything underneath so much easier. The ability to play man coverage underneath, that only improves that, that a possibility. So Brady Breeze, Oregon, is a guy that I'm super impressed with and I'm very intrigued about right now. So, folks, keep your eyes out for Brady Breeze and Greg Eisworth as the two sleepers that we have for you here on our show. Now let's get on into the top five lists for your safety prospects, as we always do. We're going to share the four and fives and then guess each other's top three selections. Alex, you had our Darius Washington from TCU and then Paris Ford from Pitt right after him at five. Ryan, conversely, Richard LeCount the third from Georgia, and then our Darius Washington again from TCU. So immediately I'm drawn to the fact that you guys both have our Darius Washington on this list. I, I'm curious to know what made you guys choose to put him in here in the mix as your uh, number four and number five guy. Well, for me, I mean, I was going to I was going to say for me, uh, you know, he's a he's a smaller safety prospect. And that's my biggest hesitation with Washington, because his film is great. You know, I, I think he, he shows physicality. He's a willing, uh, you know, uh, tackler uh, on the back end there. I think he he does very, very good in deep zones. I think he's he's very fluid there. And, and I think he really understands understands what's going on in front of him. He, he diagnoses plays fairly well. I think the biggest concern with him is the height does he meet that threshold listed at five foot eight 180 pounds uh you know that that, that's going to worry some teams and it kind of worries me to a degree that lack of length uh you know kind of scares me when you're dealing with more physical uh rangier athletes at the wide receiver position that he's going to see uh in in the nfl relative to what he sees in the big 12 uh you know i really loved his film um you know, like I said, I think he meets all of the, you know, he meets all the standards as far as what you got to see on film. But I just think there's going to be, there's going to be 
less disruption at the next level because, like I said, that the NFL is just going to get bigger, stronger, faster. And and our Darius Washington at that size, I just don't know how well his play holds up at the next level personally. And for me, I am holding out hope for our Darius Washington because I've been very hesitant on him throughout the process despite like what Alex said was that he has very good film. It's good film. It's quality film. The thing that we're, I, I'm holding out hope for him is the fact of can he be Tyron Matthew? Can he be the honey badger in the sense of can he play that role? Can he play underneath consistently? Can he play man-to-man in the slot? Can he do those types of things? It's a tough evaluation, obviously, because of the height. He's 5'8 and some change. You cannot teach that, right? And it, it really makes me worried because some of his best plays right now are playing in deep zone coverage opposed to how Tyron Matthew actually usually wins. And that yep. worries me because length matters in deep zones. It matters. You're going to have opportunities to play at the catch point. You're going to have to cover a ton of ground. It's not just speed that covers ground. It's also length. He has short levers. He's not going to be able to cover as much ground as your typical six foot plus safety. So that worries me whether he can at his size play deep zones the way that he does. For me, I want to see him play more the role that his that his teammate Morig plays, where he comes down on slots a lot and cover three looks, does different things in the slot. I want to see him do that because if he can ease my mind and say like, hey, I see short area quickness there, he can play in the slot, he has very good instincts. If he can do that consistently, then I can buy into this kid somewhere in the second and third round as a guy that can play a safety, nickel, kind of hybrid type of role. I can buy that right now. The reason why he's number five, because I'll tell you right now, his tape is better than being the fifth player on this list. But again, will that size limitation help? Will will he be able to play the way that he plays? I doubt it. So until I see him do the things that I think he's really going to excel at, he's almost an incomplete evaluation for me. And he's just a guy that I'm having a tougher time slotting any higher than this fifth slot. Guys, let's get into the fun part of our show here. Not that all of that discussion on safeties was not fun. Let's get to the part where we get to guess who each other uh, top threes are for this safety class. It's the last time we'll get to play this game until the end of the college football season. So, Alex, you do the honors. It is your turn to go first for this last time of guessing. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, you know, I, we kind of talked about this at the beginning of the episode, this safety class. There's about eight or nine guys um, that deserve to be in that, you know, second round conversation or so. So there's a lot of different ways I could see this happening. I know you're a fan of Paris Ford. Uh, so I think he's going to be in there. Homsen Nasiril Dean has to be in there somewhere, I'm sure, just being the notable guy he is. Uh, I'm going to say you have Paris Ford one. Thompson Nasirilding two, and number three, I'm gonna go. Caden Stearns from Texas is an option. A really toolsy player. If we don't get to talk about him, I'm gonna guess though Andre Cisco out of Syracuse. Three. Okay. All right. Okay, Ryan. Uh, guess Alex is now. Okay. Um. So he, you, Joe already blew it that uh, we have Nasiruddin in a different spot. So I know he's not number two for you. Process of elimination. I'm gonna say Nasiruddin for Alex is number one. I'm gonna say that he has Javon Holland from Oregon at two, and Andre Cisco at three. Close. All right. So Ryan. Did a very good job. 
Ryan had uh, he was very close. He was off by one guy. So Alex's list went uh, Hamza Nasiral Dean from Florida State, then Andre Cisco, then Javon. Oh, I was so, so close, up those two guys. Joe. I yeah, was so were. close. Alex, you weren't even close. Oh, no. I did, there wasn't. Do you? You were throwing in names that just aren't on the no on the way. board here. I told you before the show that you guys weren't that far off from each other, and for some reason, uh, that meant naming a bunch of random guys uh, that weren't even on either of your radars. So Ryan's was Andre Cisco from Syracuse, uh, Hamza from Florida State, and then uh, Trevon Morig from TCU oh, okay. as number Morig. three. Okay. So yeah, you got a little bit. That might have been your worst uh, day of. Wow, guessing you don't have Paris Ford in your Alex. top five. I'm surprised. I haven't seen him cover anybody yet. It's crazy. No, I, I understand that. I, that's why I have him at five. I thought you were going to be a lot higher on him. I was. I thought I was going to have to kind of defend my my where my ranking there. But uh, okay, I'm I'm there for it. Uh, I mean, you know, Paris Ford. He fills the alley like a bat out of hell. There is no better player in this draft for filling the alley, coming up and run support, working inside out than Paris Ford. I just don't know what he does in pass coverage that I'm like, yeah, dude, I can do that. Like, I think he's a decent athlete, but I don't see instincts. And I just, I don't know what he's going to do in pass coverage. I am so yeah. torn on where to put him. I, I really don't know what his role is. I'm, I'm he, so confused. Yeah. He, he almost looks confused. He almost looks confused in passing concepts in deep zones. Right. In the run game, he his best work is playing single high and then filling that alley. But like, do I want him playing single high in pass coverage? I, I don't think so. I don't right. Know. He's no, weird. I get he's that. weird for me. So the, the guy that I'm really interested, besides Paris Ford, the, the guy that I'm interested to hear about from you guys is the one that is the huge physical physical specimen, the six foot four guy, Hamza Nassilardine from Florida State. He is a, a gigantic safety. We don't see guys this big come out this often and be ranked this high on your guys's board. So what, what draws you to Hamza and why do you like him so much that he could possibly be a first rounder? Alex, what, let's hear from you first. Yeah. So I have met number one, obviously Ryan has met number two. We our one and two is just flip flopped. I'm, I'm glad to see that you're, you're on Andre Cisco as high as you are as well. So, uh, it kind of makes me feel better about my evaluation because I trust Ryan's eye as well. Um, but as far as Hamza goes, you know, you can't teach that size. Obviously we went through this, uh, with Isaiah Simmons, call him a linebacker, call him a safety, just call him a defensive player. I, I, I see a lot of the same mold in Hamza Nasiruddin. No, I'm not saying he is a top five guy in this draft class, top ten guy uh, that can fill that role. I think a lot of the differences you get is is the weight side of it. Um, I think I don't think Hamza is going to run the, the 40 time uh, for the given weight that's as impressive. I don't think he's quite the athlete, but you're talking about six foot four kind of guys, 200 plus pounds. I'm, he, he can play in some kind of outside linebacker role, taking away the tight end. I think he has athlete, adequate athleticism. It's not, like I said, to the degree of Isaiah Simmons. I just want to make sure that we're not confused. I don't want to get soundbited into comparing him to Isaiah Simmons because Isaiah Simmons is a freak. But... Alex Combs and Isaiah Simmons, we heard it. No, don't you dare. Don't you dare do that to me. Because Hans and Nasir, there's qualities that compare. And that's what I'm trying to get across is, is as far as the versatility, you can put this man in a lot of different situations and he can be successful. Uh, there are some things uh, that, that worry me. I don't think he's a great tackler. Uh, actually, I think he's a pretty poor tackler, especially given the size. Uh, and I don't think he's quite as good in, in either man or zone coverage. So I think you're getting – 
kind of a poor man's Isaiah Simmons in a way. I think that's the best way to put it. I think you're getting that that you know that athletic, uh, big, lanky, long, but still adequately built guy that 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 carries his weight really well. That can fill a lot of roles on the defensive side of the ball. We were just throwing the 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 safety. Uh, position at him because that I guess that's where he primarily lines up but he kind of he kind of plays in the box he can play free um, but for me I think the floor is just so much more promising than that of Cisco Cisco uh, and, and I know Ryan will get more into Cisco as well but Cisco man the ceiling talk about I mean what I think he what led the ACC in interceptions both of the last two years and he still has another year of football to go um, so, so Cisco, I mean, the, the upside is ridiculous as like a three deep safety, which is so valuable at the next level. We don't see very many deep free safeties that you feel good on an Island by himself back there on the back half of the defense. Uh, and, and Andre Cisco can be that. And that's why he carries so much weight for me. But I just, like I said, the floor of Hampson is Cyril Dean and the, the, the chess piece that he can be for a, for an NFL defense, for an NFL defensive coordinator, I think he's just going to be the number one guy for me right now. The athleticism, the size, the strength. Uh, he needs to clean up some some nuances of the position, uh, just because I think he plays so many different roles that there's there's no one home position that he feels 100 percent great at. So I definitely see why you would have him ranked a little bit lower. I don't think this guy's a top half of the first round guy. Even you know, I think he. You know, we talked about how good this class is as far as depth. Uh, talked about all these second round caliber guys. I think Hamza is like right fringe first rounder. So my number one guy for this AP class right now is going to be late first, early second for me. So, uh, so no, I'm not saying that this guy's the the end all be all answer to to a defense's problems, but I do like the floor, and I think he has a pretty high ceiling as well. I, I will say that I have a hot take to end this with here. But for Homsen to Seraldine, I agree. So when I watched his film, I was like, all right, dude is 6'4", 215-plus pounds. He's not going to be a great athlete. And then I watch him in Florida State, and I'm like, dude is a very good athlete. Like, I think he's going right. to test really well. I think he's going to jump out of the gym. I think his lower body explosive stuff is going to be crazy. I think his short shuttle – his three cone. I think all that stuff is going to be really impressive for a guy his size. I, I, I am personally slotting him into that same thing I said about McQuamu. I want this guy as that tight end eraser. I want him man to man against George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, whoever it might be, and I want him to just take the tight end away. I think that that's the 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 um, the best trajectory for him. I think man to man coverage is what he does best right now. I think he has really fluid hips. Um, I agree that he's an inconsistent tackler, but again, you know, 6'4", 215, he has tools to work with to be better in that area. And moving away from him, here's my hot take to end you guys with. I think that um, I think that my man from Syracuse, all right, I think that he is, Andre Sisko speaking, I think he's a top 15 player in this class for me. And wow. I know that's going to be higher than Anybody I've seen, a lot of people are very down on Andre Cisco because of some, you know, inconsistencies with tackling. I see some physicality coming down on wide receivers that he absolutely destroys some people. I think that there is is room to grow in running game, but I think that he has the tools to improve in that game. I have seen him be super physical. I know he can do it. Now, 
what scares you about him because range on the back end is phenomenal. This dude has some instincts too. People mistake him being a little aggressive with not having great instincts. The dude has instincts. The dude can cover some ground. I will tell you that. The thing that makes you a little nervous is he's like the sixth man off the bench in basketball who there's no shot that he doesn't like. You know, he's never seen a shot. He's the heat check, deep three-point shooter. And he's the same way as Andre Sisco is in pass coverage, man. Sometimes there is there is a play on the ball that he does not think that he can that he that he can't make. So he takes a lot of risks. He's very aggressive, but I appreciate it because he forces turnovers. This is the kind of guy that whether it is playing him too high, playing him in short zones, playing him in man, playing him in deep, in a uh, deep deep uh, safety position as a single high, no matter what it is. I think that his coverage versatility is phenomenal, and I think that he can improve in the run game. You don't have guys like with this type of ball production too often, man, and, and his skill set matches up. He was on Feldman's freak list. Apparently he's a 4'3 athlete at 205 pounds. I'm buying all – yeah, seriously, and, and it shows up on film. So right now I'm buying all the stock in summer scouting on Andre Sisco. Will he end up as a top 15 player? We'll see. But the flashes, the the potential that he has, the upside, I am buying completely into it. Andre Cisco, safety one for me, and and uh, I'm I'm just I'm buying all the stock low right now until everybody starts turning around on him a little bit. Guys, I have a question for you, and it's either going to really piss you off or you'll agree with me. But is it? I don't mean to transition back to Hamza. Um, after hearing all that about Andre Cisco, but you guys both talked about how how big he is, how athletic he is. Is it risky to try and compare him physically to Obi Melon Fonwu? Uh, see, see, I, I don't, I don't agree with the con- like. I get it. I 100 get. I he- actually heard a, po- I forget what podcast I was listening to, and they actually brought up Obi because of that ridiculous size. Like you don't see it too often. Right. Oh, yeah, and the ability to move at that size. Right. Uh, so Obi at UConn actually, and, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, he spent a lot of time at corner actually as well. And he his so like when they would put him at corner sometimes he was okay because you could just tell him that man in front of you is yours. You can be physical with him. You can use your length. You can use your athleticism. That's all you have to do. But then when Obi went to real safety and he had to show instincts and range, my dude was lost. He didn't know what the heck he was doing. And then you throw in the injury concerns with them too coming out of UConn. That's kind of been the downfall. So I think that there's a lot more um, – I, I think there's an easier trans uh, trajectory and, and transition here for a guy um, like Hampson and Seraldine comparative to like an Obi Melifonwu. But I think that it, it is a good point, Joe. I think it's something definitely to consider, you know, seeing a guy in a similar, um, similar physical stature and similar athletic profile. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have someone at this size and that athleticism, you're going to say, are you sure he's not going to be just this? And and so I definitely understand the thought there. But I think what you already have is from a mental processing standpoint is far and away different. I think uh, – I can't say his last name, but Obi from uh, over at UConn, I think he um, – he was just Those more just athletic traits. Yeah, I, I, I struggle with that one for some reason. It's almost like I have a lisp when I say his name. I, I don't like to say it. <laughs> it but he, uh, you know, he was just more pure athlete, uh, less football player, whereas I think you're getting a little bit more of that or a lot more of that football player in Homsen where I feel a lot safer about his, his projection to the next level. Well, it was worth bringing up and discussing because I, if you think about it, what you guys are talking about, it, it's not a direct comparison 
but there are some things you can kind of pull from. I'm, I'm sure that they won't test exactly the same, but there could be some similar uh, numbers just because of how, how physically dominant they are, how big they are, how well they're able to move at their size, just separate from what able what they're able to do um, on the field. Guys, that's going to be it for this episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Alex at Alex Gillstrap. And you can follow Ryan at Rise and Draft. Follow the show's Twitter at NFL Prospects Pod. Uh, also follow Believe Podcasts at B-L-A-V, B-L-E-A-V Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. Next week, we are transitioning away from positional previews and getting ready for the season to actually kick off. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.